I am glorious. You must prepare. We're almost there. Pretty close. I am here. Tonight's performance will run for us. I'm just curious. I'm really just curious to see what it's like. Yet, I'll say this. The state of California would like us to remind you that our emergency exits are through the door. Look at us. Here we all are. Have you ever spent time in an empty theater? It feels alive. Many people call it sacred. There's palpable motion in the stillness. It really does feel like walking into a church. The seats have watched so many people trying to make meaning of their lives, absorbing all of the joy, sadness, anxiety, ridiculousness, and everything else that goes along with just being a person. I really miss going to the theater, sharing space with other humans, laughing with strangers. So we started to think, what can we do about that? We thought, if theaters are magic, because they are, can cities also be magic in the same way? Cities hold stories too, most of which go unseen and unheard most of the time. But that doesn't mean they're any less alive. I'm Joanna Felser, Artistic Director of Berkeley Rep. And I'm Madeline Oldham, dramaturg and co-sound designer. Welcome to Berkeley Rep's Place Settings. We're starting with our homeland of Berkeley, California. We asked 10 writers to think of a place within the city of Berkeley where something meaningful or memorable happened to them, and then to write a story inspired by that place. Some of the stories are fact, some are fiction, and some live somewhere in between. All of them are intended to help us remember that even if we feel alone, we're not. Our bodies pass through the space of other people's stories all the time, at the playground, the gas station, while we walk the dog. We're all connected. And it felt like a good time to encourage all of us not to forget that. Our first story was inspired by a landmark in Cordonisis Park that is iconic for so many kids who grew up in Berkeley. The Slide by Itamar Moses, read by the author. You're at the park. Your mother brought you here. It's just a short walk up from the house. She took your hand as you turned from the sidewalk onto the path and down into the park proper, and down to this spot, here, in the grass, between the sloping hillside and the basketball court, where two men play one-on-one. It's always your mother who brings you. Your dad never comes, though. You don't know why. Then she turns her hand still in yours, and you see the long, concrete slide. Kids are using flattened cardboard to hurdle down, some of them head first, and it feels fast. Too fast, cardboard scraping as they take the turns, until they fly out the chute at the bottom and then grab their cardboard and run back up the steps to do it all again. Are you going to have to do that? No. Instead, she leads you to the small playground, past the slide, In here, there's a jungle gym and swings, and your mother pushes you on the swings and stands below you as you climb. But all the while, you keep looking back at the slide, and she sees. You don't have to do it if you don't want to, 
she says. And suddenly you do. You get your own cardboard and you climb the steps to the top and then, with her watching, you slide down for the first time. You're back at the park. You're allowed to come here alone now without adult supervision. So you're here with a friend and a crate full of action figures and spaceships. And the hillside is now the surface of an alien world. The grass taller than the heads of the toy men. The tree a massive tower snaking up. Across from you, two little girls are chasing each other, disappearing and reappearing among the trees. They're wearing fairy wings and... Their game is inscrutable to you. Then there's a bark of laughter. A pack of teenagers are making their way across the park. They cut diagonally, ignoring the path. Are they coming your way? Are they laughing at you? No, they're just finding their own spot near the base of the slide. They sit there, talking and laughing, paying you no mind. Drinking and smoking. Real life. Still, when you try to turn back to the spaceships and the action figures, you feel embarrassed and small. You're back at the park. You and the gang come here a lot when you don't want to be at anybody's parents' house. Somebody brought a six-pack and someone else brought weed and you sip a beer slowly, even though you don't like the taste. And when the pipe comes around, you hit that too. Somebody starts playing a guitar. A couple of your friends start going down the slide behind you. Ironically though, because now you're all too old. The sun is warm on your face, the sky flat blue. What are you thinking about? She's asking you this, the one who, the first time you saw her in the courtyard freshman year, something gave in your stomach and chest, the one whose whole schedule you know this semester so that between classes you can take a path that will cross hers. Not every time. You don't want it to be obvious, but just so you can smile and wave an extra time. You look around to make sure she's talking to you, and when it's clear she is, you tell her that you're thinking about when you used to come here as a little kid with your mom or with a friend, and you'd see older kids and be scared of them. And that you just realized that you're the teenagers now and you don't remember when that happened. One of the other guys laughs and you're suddenly self-conscious. Was that a stupid thing to say? But she's not laughing and she's still looking at you. Later when it's dark and you're all still there, she leads you off alone, heart pounding by the hand up the hillside to lie down in the grass. Her skin is cold and her breath is hot. Her nipple hardens in your mouth. You're back at the park. You and your wife are visiting your parents, and because she's never been to town before, you've been taking her to all of your old haunts, and finally you ended up here. And you watch her as she looks around. It's nice, she says. You were hoping for more. But what? I have a lot of memories here, you say. This place is really important to me. She nods. I have places like that too. Suddenly you find yourself wishing you were here alone. Then you banish this thought, guilty. You take her by the hand.
you're back at the park standing in the grass while your wife watches your son go down the slide and then climb the steps to go down again over and over. You're in town so he can spend time with his grandparents who are getting old. You don't have to do it if you don't want to, you said to him when he saw the slide, but he just looked at you strangely, grabbed the cardboard and went right up. He's more like his mother that way. Maybe that's why when they play together, when she watches him play, they seem so in tune. And why watching her watch him now, what you feel is envy. Did you see me, dad? Your son is saying. Did you see me go down? Yeah, you tell him. Yeah, I did. You're back at the park with your son, sweating on the basketball court, playing one-on-one, losing, even though he's going easy. Tell him if you want to stop, he says. Not yet. The exercise is holding your feelings from yesterday at bay. Your wife's not here with you this time. She did come for your father's funeral a few years ago, but you were still together then, and so this time it was simpler like this. And your mother didn't know the difference. Funerals are for the living, after all. When you do stop playing, though, and sit down to rest, the feelings are still waiting. You find yourself staring at the mouth of the tunnel that leans under the street to the tennis courts and the rose garden on the other side. Once, when you were here with your mother, as a boy, you looked up from where you'd been playing alone here, near this very bench, to see her disappearing into that tunnel. And you can summon, still, the panic you felt then as she disappeared into the darkness. Suddenly, you wish your wife was here with you after all. You wish that she was still your wife. Stupid. After all that. You're hunched over, sobbing now, and your son is rubbing your back. I know, he says. I know. Even though he's wrong about why you're crying. Even though he doesn't know. Not yet. You're at the park. It's just a short walk up from the house, which is now yours. You come here every day now. You want to keep doing it for as long as you still can, and the walk itself keeps you in shape for the walk. And you like seeing that it's all still here, the court, the hillside, the little playground, the paths leading off in all directions, the tunnel, the slide. You look up at the slide. You remember coming here for the first time, sliding down for the first time, too fast. It was all too fast. You'd do it all again, though, if you could. Could you? And then suddenly you're walking towards it, taking a piece of cardboard and climbing up the steps to the top to stand there for a moment, looking down. You'll be at the bottom before you know it. You don't have to do it if you don't want to, but you do want to. You kneel at the opening, lower your head to lie down on your belly, push yourself forward, and slide. This story was written and read by Itamar Moses, a Tony Award-winning playwright, screenwriter, and television writer whose works include Yellow Jackets and The Band's Visit with David Yazbek. Itamar grew up in Berkeley and lives in Brooklyn. 
Berkeley Rep thanks our Rep on Air sponsor, the Bernard Osher Foundation, and place setting sponsor, Berkeley Side. And we're deeply grateful to Berkeley Rep season sponsors, Bruce Golden and Michelle Mercer, Jack and Betty Schaefer, the Strout Colhangian family, Francis Hellman and Warren Breslau, Bart and Pete's Coffee for their generous support. This series is produced by Berkeley Repertory Theater, sound designed by Lane Elms and Madeline Oldham, with a very special thanks to Lane's children for letting us record their field trip to the slide. Join us next week for a story by Issa Davis. <laughs>